has anyone ever felt isolated either because of your own choice or someone else's? Anyone ever had something done to you that just kind of broke your heart and marginalized you and pushed you away or tore you up? And maybe it wasn't even something someone tried to do. Maybe someone left you. Maybe someone neglected you. Maybe someone picked on you. Maybe your parents thought they were doing you a favor by sending you somewhere and you were physically, sexually, emotionally, or spiritually abused. Have you ever been in a marriage where someone walked out? You ever been, you ever had someone close to you die? You ever been fired? You ever been cut from a team? You ever been told you weren't good enough? You ever been mocked for your size, for your height, for your build, for your looks or for your non-looks? We, I think we've all been marginalized at varying times for stuff, a lot of it's stuff that we can't even help. Now granted, there's stuff sometimes that we can help and we get mocked and ridiculed for. We can help that stuff, but even underneath that, there's some lack of self-awareness or maybe caring for others or whatever, but there's a lot of things that um, we, we, we all have been hurt. And we all hurt. We've all been jerks. We've all cursed other people, whether with foul words or bad thoughts or maybe really mean things. Like I, I was a terrible guy growing up. Like I said last week, I was really hard. And there was this girl growing up <clears throat> that I, I'm really ashamed to say this, but I didn't know Jesus. I was a busted kid. I was a loser. We've already clarified that, all right? <clears throat> but I denigrated her so much, she was deaf. Yeah, yeah, that's like low, low, low. And she talked really strange because she was deaf. And I made fun of her incessantly growing up, like in elementary school, or I'm sorry, junior high school. And several years ago, I was doing a self-inventory. I was doing some self-help, going through some counseling and some uh, just some you know, a program with some of the steps in it. And I, and, I, and I realized, it says that one of the things is you need to go right some wrongs when you've hurt someone else. And as I just prayed, this girl was one of the first people that came to my mind. And I asked my wife, I said, hey, would you care if I reach out to an old classmate on, on Facebook who's a woman? And I just kind of told her this uh, scenario and she was like, yeah, pray and like run into that. And I reached out to her, and uh, she hit me back immediately. And she was just like, dude, um, you're kind of the last person I expected to hear from and wanted to. You brutalized me. You were so cruel. I hated going to school every day. You, you just mortified me. And, uh, and I told her, like, listen, I, it was inexcusable <clears throat> but I love Jesus now, and um, I'm asking your forgiveness for what I've done. And she said, well, I love Jesus too, and I'll give it to you, but I just had to let you know how much you hurt me. And so there's all, there's all kinds of things that we, we just can think stupid little things when we're kids. We can think we're having fun, or may, maybe even making fun of our spouses, <clears throat> or our you know, girlfriends or boyfriends or just people around us, we, we, we can all hurt. The fact is, hurt people hurt people, and we're all hurt in some way. 
And sometimes that hurt, we never get to make amends. Sometimes that hurt, we just go to the grave with it. Sometimes like that hurt just drives people away and, um, or it's driven us away from those people that have hurt us. And um, so I, I can tell you unequivocally, every crowd I've ever talked in, there's a bunch of messed up people. Tons of them. But there's actually churches around the joint that would say like, um, <clears throat> I, I've heard some churches say, well, we don't want uh, recovery ministries in our church. Or we don't want these grief things because it's like, that's not a good look. Or we don't want to do certain outreaches because that's not a good look. And I just think, when I think about that, first of all, it makes me want to puke. It makes me want to puke. If you're a church leader, if you're a church building, if you're a church organization, our call is to reach marred, hurting, imperfect people. And it's not the posture, like, we got it together. Like, I, one thing I never want to do is come up here, like, I, I am, I'm so fallen, I'm so fragile, I'm so weak, and I, I don't want to come up here and be like, yes, I am the best. Minions, listen. <laughs> what I have to say to ye cometh forward. You know, I'm not like some Monty Python kind of <clears throat> thing. I, I'm not... I want to be a place where really jacked up people can come and find healing and restoration and reconciliation and get some answers. Because anyone ever had stuff done to them and you're like, God, why did this happen? I can tell you, God will never tell you why. Never. He'll never give that to you. But if we're a church that leans in and can embrace honesty and brokenness, he will tell us what. He will tell us what he wants us to do with what we've lost and what it's cost us and what it's taken from us or what we've given it. He'll tell us what. He won't tell you why. He'll tell you what. <clears throat> and far too long, the church in our nation has been stuck in the burbs and trying to build these ivory towers that look awesome. And this just looked great. And it's like, hey, come, lower the drawbridge. Come on in on Sunday. It looks great. Put on your Sunday best. And man, like, dude, I, I love it Like when people just walk in, like, how's it going? Like, it sucks. Or it ain't going good. Like, I remember one time uh, back in the day, I brought a friend to church. And I might have told this story. Like, we were praying. And my friend Miles, big Herculean dude, we were praying. And the pastor said, pray your heart out. Pray your hearts out. And Miles and me and some like very old ladies were praying and it's like, oh Jesus, we thank you for the weather and we think you're so good. And Miles is like, man, God, if you're there, this is effed up. God, this is some blankety blank and some blood up, blood up mother. And I'm like, he's taking it seriously to pray your heart out. And then he just starts crying. He's like, Jesus, I just need some blanking help, man. And Jesus would have looked at them and he said, which one do you think went away justified that day? Which one do you think went away justified that day? And, and that's, that's what his heart is. Because he's very aware 
we don't have it together. I love how Jesus, when people posture like they got it, he always asks that penetrating questions like, let's go a step further. Let's go a step further. Will you sell all you have? I've done all this stuff, God, I'm great. And Jesus is like, well, will you sell everything and come after me? And the guy's like, yikes. Isn't our new pulpit awesome? <clears throat> I'm just like looking at, like, this is like the most boss pulpit I've ever seen in my life. Someone made this. They won't let me tell who they are publicly, but I really want to, but I won't because I want to honor them. But like they made this and like, I'm like, this is so, so, so sweet. Thank you. It's really cool. Um, anyway, just had to brag a little bit on them. And it's, it's made for short people. They're one I'm like, guys, guys. And so it's just, this is made for, this is made for like us Bagginses that are up here. <clears throat> So yesterday, me and Amber and Carla were loving it. You know, we're like, um, but anyways. So, you know, and, and I think more than ever, COVID has maimed and isolated the world like never before. Like, do you know by May 1st of 2020, there were more suicides worldwide than there were in all of 2019? So in four full months, more people killed themselves due to the lockdown than they had and, and that's what it was from. And the lockdown was only about six weeks in. And people would, like, just, is over. Because we, it's, in, it's interesting that the, the letter that defines our world more than anything, I, also starts with isolated. Like, our individuality, I believe, isolates us. And it insulates us from what God's really doing and wants to do. And so I think we have a lot of people that have a razor-thin margin for um, traumatic events in their lives because they're so isolated, so fake, so faux, so insulated that when the, you know, when it, when the big bad wolf comes and huffs and puffs, that house topples pretty easy because it's built on the foundation of self. And it's built on a foundation of showing the world your, your best life now and showing the world your best whatever. And it's not, we, we don't live in a real honest world. Like we're, it's full of leaders who can never admit they, they screwed up. Like it'll come out evidence of like a senator making out with some chick and like, oh, that was, that was my stunt double. You know, it's like, well, what about the other 800 girls? Oh, my stunt double, he gets around. You know, it's like, <clears throat> and like, we live in a world that just can't own its own stink very well. And, um, you know, I, I came from a family that was rife with this stuff. Like, you can go to my family gathering today, it's, it's all great, but I, in the last 20 years, I've had five people, or four people um, die or commit suicide or overdose on drugs um, that were under the age of 30. And we get together, it's like, it's all great. It's like, it's really not. It's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, over, over, Jim. <clears throat> That's Scott and Jim talking on their toys, over. Um. <clears throat> so, you know, what, what I want to talk about today in our Stop for the One series, I want to talk about the isolated. Like, do you know Jesus loves broken, isolated people? Stop him for the one. Like, Jesus had this penchant for veering off course to find the one. Jesus veered off course and was like, I'm coming after you. 
most of us sitting here, in some way or another, someone stopped for us when we were that one. When we were lonely, when we were lost, when we were outcasted. Like, Jesus loves broken people. I, I love broken people. I'm a broken person. Chances are, so are you. James chapter 3, verse 2, is one of my favorite verses. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it says this. We all stumble in many ways. And it's not a free pass. I don't think of it like that. Like, I can like, hey, honey, we all stumble in many ways. I'm going to, you know, go get lathered up. It's not like that. It's like, like, I love it because if we accept that, that's the pathway to um, receiving all Jesus has for us. Humility is the cornerstone that I believe that the kingdom's built upon. Because Jesus stepped out of heaven left the grandiosity, left the, the power, the flash, the, the godness, and came as a poor peasant and stepped out of heaven humbly to do what no one else could do for us and died the most humble death as a criminal. As a criminal with people, even his own friends ran away from him. John would have preferred to run away naked than stay there with him. And that was his BFF. So humility is the cornerstone that I believe that the kingdom is built on. And for us, I believe our entrance to the kingdom only comes from being humble enough to repent or to reach into places that um, aren't that comfortable because that's where people need Jesus' touch. Everyone needs it, but I think people in desperate places are most open to it. But there's loads of people out there, like I said, that prefer to have the two-story, four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath with, like, the man cave sort of thing, and we want to build our churches around that. And let's, hey, let's go get the six. There's actually churches. I've sat in meetings and seminars. Well, hey, do you know how to attract the crowd of the, the six-figure with the Escalade and, like, the Toyota Camry and, and, like, in the Burbs? Like, there's actually whole things, and there's, like, like these are church plant conferences. And I'm thinking we wonder why the world's going to hell in a handbasket and why churches are shutting at a record pace because it's, it's a faulty model. It's a faulty model. And I heard of a pastor recently who visited a church where he said that the pastor was very proud of the fact that his congregation was made up of some of the wealthiest, most successful people in town. Everything from the building, its demeanor, the staff, the kind of people, their position on the platform shouted that this church was for the good-looking, the rich, and the powerful. Anyone who didn't fit in that category probably wouldn't feel very comfortable there. I mean, on my side of town, there's this church, this giant church. It looks like an Indian hill house, and it's next to a trailer park. And I'm thinking, like, why didn't you guys dump that money into there? Like, I, I don't know, just one of those things. And I, I just, when, when I look at that stuff, it, um, like, it reminded me of really how thankful I am to be part of this church. I feel like this church has a long, deep history of, like, welcoming busted, imperfect people. That being a place that loves others, of being a place that, like, accepts people that are down on their luck. Being a place that pursues people that are in a mess and will love you through it. <clears throat> And 
You know, the thing that we've got to understand, friends, <clears throat> is the mission comes before our safety or comfort. The mission to reach people with messy, really hard lives comes before my personal comfort and yours. It does. It does. That's the plan. That's the way Jesus did it. If we don't see him doing it, it's not worth doing. So we might grow a big, beautiful, you know, sexy church if we just, hey, let's just change it and gear our clientele to whatever. And I'm not saying that people, that some of you, so, you know, I, I mean, like, I live in a nice house. I live in, but like, you know, I'm not saying that like, we're, we don't want people here that, you know, make more than like, you know, $100 a week. We're not saying that, but I'm just saying I never want to lose that notion and that unction to reach people that don't have Christ, that don't have resources, that don't have family, that don't have um, skills. Because that's what we exist for as a family. Because like I told you last week, your pastor wouldn't be here if someone didn't overlook my shortcomings. And that's what the kingdom's like, is Jesus picks people on his team that no one else wants, and then he says, watch what I do. Like, you look at the lineup, the motley crew. Jesus did not pick anyone that was really looking that good. And he picks a bunch of lonely losers and said, let's go. And I look in Genesis chapter 30, verses 27 through 43. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but <clears throat> this is one of those stories in the Bible that gets glossed over pretty easily. It's a strange story. Right before it, um, it's like Jacob's wives telling him, like, um, you know, he, had, he married two sisters. And uh, his sisters, like, basically got really jealous, wanted him to, like, have children. And so Jacob just kept, like, they kept saying, well, and the one he loved, like, the most, Rachel's like, I can't have kids. And she's like, take my servant. And Jacob's like, okay. And then, uh, like, his sister, her sister Leah, who gave him some sons, like, well, I can't have any more kids. And she's like, take my servant. He's like, great. And it's like, hey, I'm just making, like, the rotation every night, and this is, this is great. Everyone's happy except for y'all. And so Jacob just kept having kids. So there's this weird story before that that's just really strange of that. But, and then it comes to when Jacob's like, goes to his father-in-law Laban. He worked for 14 years for this one wife, Rachel. And Jacob made a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad choices. And Jacob was a swindler. Jacob's kind of a used tire salesman, okay? Jacob's that guy. And Jacob's that dude. Um, but he finally goes to Laban and says, listen, I've worked hard for a long time. I want to go do my own I want to go do my own thing. I want to take my wives, take my kids, and I want to leave. I've blessed you. I've made you a rich guy. I've served you. What can I do? And Laban's kind of like thinking, and Jacob's like, how about this? I know you like the pretty sheep. I know, I know you like the, like the tall, pretty, you know, good-looking girl without any flaws. I know that's what you're about, Laban. How about you keep all those, you keep all those real pretty sheep, the real good-looking ones, and why don't you give me the striped, the spotted, and the speckled? Laban's like, that's a great plan. Those things are ugly. And Jacob's like, game on. I feel like Jacob is, Jacob's name is also, it's also Israel. So God named his people after this dude. And we know Jacob was kind of a loser. And it's interesting that God picked a swindler of a loser of a guy to say, hey, you're the promise. 
We're going to start there. And I believe that Jacob picked these because God picked Jacob. Jacob was the striped, the spotted, the speckled. Jacob's family, the people of Israel, the children of Israel were those little ones no one else wanted. And God said, I want you. I could have picked all the nations on the earth, but I want you, you little, lonely, isolated weakling. I want you. And that's what Jesus is like. And I believe, and, and I've said it before, and some of you probably heard, like, I'm like, Lord, bring it on. Give us the ones no one else wants. Give us the ones other people won't care for. Give us those, because I believe there's a church full of people here who say, like, bring it to Jesus, and we'll love them. We'll love the hell out of them, literally. We'll smother them in love and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and discipleship and hope and prayer. And then, like, when the Lord moves, it will only be a testimony to his goodness. That's why we love sharing stories. That's why we love testimonies. Because, like, God, he's just a God that likes to break into our stuff when it's all falling apart and say, he likes to make something out of nothing. Because he's not looking for amazing. He's just looking for faithful, available, teachable. He's looking for a bunch of fat peeps. Faithful, available, uh, yeah, faithful, available, teachable. And so our philosophy, or my philosophy is that um, people belong before they become. A lot of times, a lot of churches, you have to go in there and you have to like, have it together. You have to put your Sunday best on, your Sunday face. And I know I look like a total, like, like a total bum today. I'll give you some explanation because this might be like the worst looking outfit that I own. Actually, it's probably not because I'm not like the best dresser, but it's one of them. Um, it's perfect. Well, we're going to go there in a minute. But I, I believe people belong before they become. And I love one of the vineyard values, like come as you are, you'll be loved. That's been a, like, a transcendent theme here since our infancy, and not just in this church, but in the movement. It's like it was a bunch of hippies on the beach coming up high to like, hear the guitar, and they just come in their, like, you know, in their uh, flip-flops and jams and their muscle shirts, their bro tanks, whatever you want to call them, and they would just have services on the beach. They're just like, come as you are, you'll be loved. So people belong before they become, okay? And I don't want people to feel like, well, may, hey, I'm not there anymore. Maybe I'm not there. Maybe I, I don't know all the pain you're talking about or my life's not filled with addiction or I have a good job. We, listen, we also need some healthy people for inviting in lots of unhealthy people, okay? Let's just say that. Stay, we love you, we want you, we love healthy people because you can't give what you don't have, right? You know, we don't want the blind leading the blind sort of thing. But we want to reach the blind because we have the power to heal the blind. Not because of anything, but because Jesus is that good. He's that great. <clears throat> and I think if Jesus pastored a church, he would go on the wrong side of the tracks. I think he wouldn't, wouldn't probably pick what looked conventional. We just know that about him. We just know that about him. He never picked conventional. He never picked easy. He never picked obvious. So the Vontae's perfect shirt, which I'm a Bengals fan. I love the Bengals unapologetically. I think God loves the Bengals. They're losers. <laughs> They're perpetual losers that are accursed by someone. <laughs> and so I believe Jesus' heart is on the Bengals, all right? So um, 
you know, the city with sin in its name twice has a loser team. Go figure. Um, <clears throat> so, but like this shirt I love, I found it at a thrift store about a year or two ago. And it's this guy used to play for the Bengals, Vontae's Perfect. And it says, nobody's perfect. Because <laughs> um, this guy, he's like the most penalized um, find player in NFL history. Well, I thought on a day we're going to talk about our launching Celebrate Recovery ministry, let's talk about like no one being perfect. Yeah. I want to show you a. I want to show you a quick, a quick uh, like video clip that I believe encapsulates the kingdom and celebrate recovery. We got that ready from Guardians of the Galaxy. I see a bunch of losers. I mean, people that have lost things. <clears throat> and isn't that kind of what we are? Aren't we all kind of losers in a sense? Haven't we all lost something by our own sins, the sins of others, by, by life, by change? We've all lost stuff. We've all lost things. And that's, um, I'm really excited that we're going to be relaunching uh, CR, Celebrate Recovery. You might see these little cards that were on your seat. And this is a Christ-centered recovery program. It's for basically for anyone with um, hurts, habits, and hang-ups that are just too much to bear. Uh, Lucas just prayed. He just uh, was talking about, like, uh, how do you put it? Just, like, do you have thoughts that keep running through your head that you just can't make stop? Or do you have A, B, or C? It's like, we all have these things or we all have people in our lives that just can't seem to get over that hump or that hill or that mountain. That's what CR is. Um, and so the hurts have, like hurts are pretty self-explanatory. We all have hurts from our families, verbal, emotional, sexual abuse, racism, religious institution, from school growing up, da-da-da-da-da, how we look, weight, speech impediment, socioeconomic status, uh, like nationality. We all have some or all of those. I'm like looking at those. I'm like, when I wrote that, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Like every one of those I've had <laughs> stuff. Um, Hang-ups. Maybe you're just bitter. Maybe you just don't forgive well. People that are stuck there, um, you will find yourself very isolated if you're not already. If you're always judging everyone else and mad at how the world is, that's a pretty, being on top of the mountain is a lonely place to be. CR is for you if you're there. And if you don't think you're that person, ask people around you, am I bitter? Am I unforgiving? Am I pretentious? Go home and ask your, your best friends or your spouse or your kids that. 
and see what they say, if you dare do that. Because I tried this a couple years ago, and I asked my family like, about some of these things. They're like, yep, you're a jerk. <laughs> a little, little, you know, it's like one of those things. It's, but it, it was hard, and it took me on a long journey um, the last five years where I'm like, man, like, whoa, there's some of these, like, you know, some of these kinks in my armor. This is probably not, not good. Because we all have blind spots, right? We all have stuff we struggle with. We all have hang-ups. We all have uh, resentments or maybe anger, difficulty trusting. Uh, like I said, or Lucas said, uh, recurring negative thoughts, fears, insecurity, losses. CRs for you if you're stuck there and you just can't make it through. Because there's power in the body. There's power. Like a lot of times, those things isolate us, and that's their power. It's like fear is the bird who believes itself into extinction sort of thing. Sometimes like, that, like these isolating uh, behaviors become a self-fulfilling prophecy and then we just get stuck because we're alone. We forgot how to trust. We forgot how to believe. We forgot how to hope. We forgot how to give and receive feedback that's helpful. We've forgotten how to lean in. Habits. Maybe you like to drink. Or maybe you hate drinking and you do too much. Maybe you compulsively masturbate or you look at pornography or you're a rage addict or maybe drugs keep popping up or maybe you're waist deep in those. Maybe you eat like a champ every chance you get. Uh, maybe, maybe gambling or shopping and you feel bad, you go buy stuff you don't need. Codependency. Maybe, maybe you're just an attention whore. Like, honestly, there are those people that cannot stop having people look at them and make it about themselves. Relational addict. Maybe every relationship you get in ends the same way. I'm going to solve this for you. I'll save you lots of counseling. If all of your relationships end the same way, you're the problem. Because wherever you go, there you are. And if everywhere you go, people keep treating you the same way and the fallout keeps happening, it's you. If I keep doing the same thing over and over and it keeps ending up the same way, it's a, it's a simple calculus. It's me. It's my fault. And I'm not saying that like, that makes you unlovable or whatever, but it just means that you need help. It just means until I asked that question, like I was a guy who was blind to the help that I needed and everyone else around me was so aware of it. CR is for you if you're that person. You don't have to be out of control and, or have habits that are just like, you know, like, like a needle hanging out of your arm for celebrate recovery to help you. Maybe you just have grief you've never got over. Maybe your self-opinion's awful. Maybe you're a doormat for everyone that knows you. Maybe you give to the point where you have nothing. Maybe you have a kid who just takes, 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 and your other kids are really ticked off at you and your relationship's going, just going astray and going amok because they're so mad. Why do you keep dumping into this bucket with holes and we're right here loving you and you treat us like yesterday's garbage? CR's for you. And, you know, <clears throat> you don't have to wait to control your habits to get into recovery. It's, obvious, it's actually better to go to the doctor when your back hurts than 15 years later and you're like, master, you know, and you're all hunched over. It's like, 
That is a way better idea when you hurt it to get treatment than when you're walking crooked for years. Way better idea. Way better. So CR is a Christ-centered recovery uh, program for people struggling with hurt, pain, addiction of any kind. You don't have to be an addict to be hurt by addiction. You don't. Maybe you care for like a mentally ill person or you care for a chronically ill person or you have foster kids or you have adopted kids that are just, it's eating your lunch. This is where you come and get community. This is where you can come and get help, where you can come and get healing. So I would love to see a church, to be a church where like our CR like on Monday nights, this place is full. Because we're all we're all empty in some capacity and we need that filling up. And like the community of brokenness is where we find it. It's that striped, spotted, and speckled. That's how Jesus chose to build his church. And the first step in recovery is you can't heal or change what you don't acknowledge. And the second, well, that's, that's, that's the Ryan Snow first step. And our first step is that you admitted your life was out of control. You were powerless to change it. Like I said, you, your life may just be a mess because of the people around you. But here you can learn skills of how to cope, how to not be codependent, how to deal, how to have boundaries. That's what this is all about. Um, and I love that Jesus identifies with the needy to such an extent, like I said last week, that he says that the metric for how, whether or not we loved him is going to be based in, I was hungry, did you feed me? I was needy, did you help me? I was thirsty, did you give me a drink? I was alone, did you visit me? I was imprisoned, did you come see me? Like that's the stuff he's gonna ask. And like I said, a lot of times we can't give because we don't have. And you might be pouring your life out. There's many of you, I'm sure, because I was this person. I was constantly pouring my, my life out. But until I stopped and realized and got the help that I needed, I realized even some of that because I was running away from my own stuff. So if I could be Superman for everyone else, it didn't matter if I was you know, Lex Luthor the other rest of the time. And so some of us are always doing stuff, and maybe we have really good hearts and motives, but there's something underneath it that we just haven't realized, and it flavors it all kind of the wrong way. Because sometimes we can help people and hurt them, right? When you just kind of get, it's like, like that toxic charity. Sometimes we can be toxically charitable in our efforts because we've never let God address our pain. And so we give out of a place um, where it's just not that healthy for us or the people around us. Um, and so, I, you know, I would say, um, you know, if any evangelist, pastor, church, or whatever, if they'll follow the example of Jesus in Jacob, they'll soon make an amazing discovery that the church is after the lost. That we should seek out isolated people. We should emerge from our own isolation and say, Jesus, do what you want, no matter how scary it is. We should be people that reach out to the poor, to the outcasted, to the addicted, to the lost. And if we do that, if we're willing to do that, and we're willing to stick through the mess, and we're, that's, that's why discipleship really matters. 
That's why discipling relationships really matter because you actually disciple the hungry, not the needy. You give to the needy. CR is where we develop neediness and, and we help people come out of neediness and we develop them to a place where they can step into discipleship. So for some people, CR will help you more than discipleship will right away. That's me, the discipleship guy, saying that. Some people, like, you get into a discipleship group, they will not be able to help you the way some Christian counseling CR environments will be able to. And that might be the first step in your disciple-making journey because the 12-step program is actually a Christian, Christian discipleship model. It's teaching people to hear that you recognize God or the higher power we believe is Jesus, we know is Jesus, that, we're, that people learn to hear. And then the next several steps, they obey doing a self-inventory, getting sober, getting some, uh, some seasons of not like in relapse, and then making amends. That's part of the life of being a disciple as we own our stuff. And then we live outwardly and we share what we've learned with other people. So CR is a great discipleship model. And so I'm convinced at the end of the day that, like my friend Rob said to me before we started, he said, you can be a powerful church, or you, you can be dignified or powerful. You can't be both. I'm like, bring the powerful on all day. Because I'm one of those losers, people that have lost things, right? Lost stuff. So are you, probably, on some level. Like, Whoa. So what do you hear at church today? Oh, I'm a loser, and I've lost things. Peter Quill preached. Twice, um, Ryan and Peter. Uh, but, but the thing is, is we want to be a church that's honest, that's engaged, and that's open for the most run-down, jacked-up lives to come in here and receive the hope and goodness of Jesus Christ. And on their side, come out looking, smelling like a rose. Because that's what he's like. He picks the stripe, the spotted, and the speckle to build his church. Let's just do what we see him doing. Discipleship is a process of becoming like Jesus Let's just build our church the way Jesus built his, the way he built us. So we're going to pray. First of all, if you're a CR leader, I would love for you to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. These lovely people, lots of women, dudes. I know some of you, like, you should either be helping or should be there, you know? <laughs> like, we, we need safe guys here, too. We need safe women. Women, thank you. Ladies, thanks for doing this. Thanks for standing up. Thanks for stepping out. Thanks for bringing this back. Yeah. <laughs> what we're going to do is I just want to pray. And I want prayer teams and maybe even some CR teams, if you guys want to come forward with our prayer team, uh, if you're not already on it. If you're stuck in life today, you're just stuck somewhere, either by your choices or the choices of someone else. Come get prayer today. If you just need more, if you don't know Jesus, come get prayer today. His kingdom is for you. If you don't know Jesus, come on up. Don't, don't leave here today just asking more questions. The Lord is your answer. He's the only one who can help us. So we're just going to pray. The worship team's going to do, do their thing. And um, 
Father, we, we just ask you to come. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, to meet us in this place. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Lord, thank you for the people around us. There are more broken people than ever. So, Lord, we have more opportunity to build your kingdom than ever before. Lord, it's getting, it's getting more and more obvious, the brokenness, and people parade it. Would you help us not to be afraid of it? Would you help us not to be ashamed to um, love people that are perverse and that are maligned and love the ones no one else does? Would you help us to be like that because that's being like you? We love you and we bless your name and through it we pray, Father, amen.